0: Are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision making and action taking. This podcast forms part of a series where we're examining how businesses address climate justice. Or, in other words, how businesses could potentially put people at the heart of their climate action. We're recording this during COP27 in. Egypt. But what is it like inside a climate COP, a conference of parties? How do governments, negotiators, civil society, businesses, and other stakeholders all work together to come up with global commitments, to take action on those global commitments that hopefully together can drive better climate outcomes for all of us? Well, listen no further. My social impact pioneer today is Obed Karingo. He is the climate policy advisor at Care Denmark, but he is from and lives in Kenya. Obed has more than a decade's experience in technical and advisory roles in program management, policy analysis, advocacy, and lobbying at local, national, and global levels. He is an expert in facilitating conversations, bringing people together to collaborate and partner to make a difference. But he always has a focus on helping those most vulnerable. So get ready to hear about the emerging trends that Obed is seeing develop through the COP process and how businesses can take action to also positively contribute. So Obed, welcome. Thank you. Uh, It's good to have you. And for anybody listening, any background noise, we are both in not the best location to record podcasts. So um, we are live from uh, and here goes, it's, it's COP27 in El Sheikh in Egypt. And Obed, how are you finding it? How are you finding the experience?
1: Thank, thank you, Katie. Uh, this is really such an experience. This being my 10th COP to participate in. COP27 this year is happening in the African soil in Egypt. And uh, as we all know, Africa is one of the, actually the most vulnerable continent. And and uh, it's people together with those from other vulnerable countries are already suffering from climate related impacts, which really continue to rise with the increase in the global temperatures. So it's really worth mentioning that uh, this is really personal to us, especially those who are coming from Africa and considering that Africa emits uh, the least in terms of the greenhouse gas emissions, yet we are the most impacted. We therefore think that this COP is really significant and it's our hope that It will deliver for the vulnerable communities. So at COP27, it's such a beehive of activities. We have uh, side events, we have exhibitions, we have press conferences and actual negotiation in the negotiation rooms. And we have participants from a wide range of uh, stakeholders, including private sector, civil society and government. And uh, this COP started with the high level segment where world leaders really reaffirmed their commitments towards the need to translate commitments into action. And this really showcased a political momentum uh, from the world leaders. And we really hope that this commitment is going to uh, showcase itself in in, even in the negotiation rooms. In the negotiation rooms, uh, we we, we are seeing a lot of push and pull already, especially on issues that are touching uh, finance. And we are afraid that this is going to stall the progress that was made in COP26 if the situation uh, continues the way it is.
0: Oh, goodness. I didn't realize that there was a a concern about stalling around the finance piece. So perhaps it sounds super phonetic as well, Ovid, I'm just so busy to cram all that in really a very short amount of time. Can you tell us what's the work that's been going on behind the scenes leading up to this and what therefore brings you to COP? As a
1: climate policy advisor, my role basically entails working with and supporting country officers and, and, and of course, southern civil society organizations to influence. Climate policy on climate uh, on climate change at, at, at a base, both at national, regional, and global level, and I'm part of the care delegation here at the COP, together with other colleagues who are representing the views uh, of the vulnerable communities. I also coordinate a uh, community of practice uh, with care country offices, which promotes learning and networking and knowledge exchange, including uh, co designing of innovation approaches and tools. Uh, South to South capacity building, as well as promotion of innovative documented solutions. So uh, this community of practice is a vehicle for identifying key advocacy issues and generating evidence, knowledge, and joint policy campaigns to, for Southern-led advocacy. So before we came here, definitely uh, we we met as Southern civil society organizations, also together with CARE colleagues, care delegation, where we develop a position, a civil society position. For COP 27, which really outlines the issues that we want to see at COP 27 as pertaining—I mean, what we really want to see as pertaining finance, loss and damage, mitigation, adaptation, and and issues of gender. So um, here, of course, I'm here to represent communities from the global south and to push for urgent actions from those who have emitted the most to be able to reduce their emissions and to support action that helps the poorest and most marginalized people to increase their resilience to the impacts of climate change, and of course, engage in mitigation action that brings sustainable development benefits over.
0: Not a small ask, I think there, Obed. And and therefore, in your experience, I mean, what does it take to actually negotiate and and advocate for a better climate outcome? What does a negotiation actually look like and feel like?
1: Yes. Um, As I mentioned earlier, before we even talk about the negotiations, you really, before you even go to the COP or attend the COP meetings, you need to beforehand know what you're pushing for. So this calls for development of, for instance, country positions. If, if it's about a, de- a country delegation, you have to develop a country position, outlining key issues and messages and demands that you want to see the negotiations achieving. And during the COP also, before even the COP officially starts, we have negotiation groups like G77 and China, Africa group who who meet to also develop a common position. Because here at the COP, uh you don't negotiate it's it's really really difficult to negotiate as a single country. So you find that countries come together in, in 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 negotiating negotiating groups like the whole of Africa negotiates as part of Africa group of negotiators. Then we have G77 and China, we have uh seeds and EOSIs. So these groups also meet to, to develop a common position, because once you negotiate at, at the negotiations, it, you are able to make a difference or make progress. If you're able to speak in one voice, then uh, it's also good important to mention that civil society advocacy is very important here at the COP, especially in pushing uh, for issues and amplifying key messages and calling out those who are dragging the progress in negotiations through various advocacy tactics, for instance, and, and, and you find that the civil society organizations and other bodies and other stakeholders also highlight key issues and messages, even in the side events. So in the negotiation rooms, it takes place in closed rooms. Sometimes it's closed completely to the observers and each negotiation or party group tries to promote their interests. So therefore it's very important for all these groups, especially to, to, to be able to work together in one voice so that they are able to promote the interests and aspirations of the most vulnerable especially women right women and girls who are the most impacted
0: oh thank you for that insight and just as somebody who's never been inside one of those rooms as i suspect 99.9999% of the world have never just to to have that insight thank you really for sharing that and and how those countries come together because it always seems such a a massive task to bring together different opinions to actually land on one piece of policy just impossible virtually, but as you explained, you know, that that grouping together makes a difference. We're Business Fights Poverty. That's the name of the podcast and the organization that we are. And therefore, we're looking at the business element of this and how businesses can get involved. And I was wondering, in your opinion, in your experience, how do you see businesses positively contributing, not just to climate action, but also putting people at the heart of that climate action? What would you suggest they should do?
1: Thank you so much. This is a very important question, Katie. And uh, it's it's of course worth mentioning that much of especially the uh, CO2 emissions uh, causing climate change come from business driven economic activity. However, businesses or business activities can also contribute to innovation and solutions to prevent, mitigate, and adapt to climate change and its adverse impact to to the planet and its people. And it's also worth mentioning that innovative initiatives from businesses are part of the global shift that will open the floodgates to large-scale large opportunities that can combat climate change and change the lives of millions of people around the world. So um, while, while, of course, we are looking to governments to provide more cash for climate finance, the private sector of businesses also are, 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 will be needed in order for us to be able to solve this climate issue. The private sector, the businesses will be needed to also fund the bulk of uh, initiatives, uh, innovative solutions, and including renewable energy initiatives and other projects to be able to cut emissions and offset the impact of climate change, and it's it's at the center of this, including a human rights approach to their work, which puts people at the center in what they do, will really, really be important, And, and, and as care. We share the belief that climate justice cannot be separated from human rights. And climate justice ensures that the rights of the most vulnerable are safeguarded and the burdens and impacts of climate change are shared together with the benefits emerging from the green transition. So the the issue of just transition is really, really important and businesses should be able to embrace just transition and ensure that during this transition, this transition puts the hearts and, and the, the rights and, and, and the needs of people, workers, and communities at, at the heart, and, and that they should not suffer due to job losses or declining economic activities. With their, uh, that, that of course, uh, their communities and, and that inequalities and adverse impacts are addressed. So um, we, we we are seeing more private companies embracing the innovation and coming up with real solutions to address climate change. And this is what we, we are really trying to promote. And, and, and we are seeing a lot of attention shifting towards unlocking private sector finance. And we are saying that it, uh, this should not, not also be at the expense of public finance and should not put burden on the already vulnerable communities uh, that are already suffering from climate change.
0: Thank you for so eloquently putting that, Albed, and, and and really important points. And it's interesting from your perspective, you know that it's not just Responsible business and do no harm, but it's that opportunity, the innovation that you talk about that I think is quite interesting there. Um, on that point, therefore, how do you see the kind of big trends emerging or ebbing and flowing across the kind of COP27 after your decade of a engagement across and with the COP process?
1: Right now, we are talking about implementation. We we have done so far 26 hops, and this is the 27th COP. And, uh, we actually do not want to, uh, engage in more talk shows. We are, we want now to go to actual implementation on the ground and, and translating commitments and, and, and pledges into action. So, uh, but unfortunately here at the COP, we are seeing lack of progress, especially on loss and damage finance and finance for adaptation, which is key in supporting vulnerable communities who are already suffering from the impact of climate and as well as suffering from losses and damages associated with climate change. But this is not to say that we're not making progress. We have seen quite a number of uh, announcements, especially here at the COP. In, in the first day, the UN Secretary General announced that, that there is going to be a five-year action plan on an early warning systems. We're also seeing countries, especially from led by Germany and the EU, making pledges towards the global shield. These are some of the positive initiatives that we are seeing that are coming as a result of, uh, I mean, going towards addressing the issues of climate uh, climate changes, especially loss and damage. But we're trying to say here at the COP, we really need to see progress, especially uh, in countries making proper progress when it comes to addressing loss and damage by coming up with a, a loss and damage financing facility that is specifically going to address loss and damage, and that's what we are pushing for. And as care, this is what what is our bare minimum. And we, we hope that at the end of this COP, we are going to see proper progress on this. And, and of course, to not to not forget to mention that adaptation finance is also really, really key. At COP26, uh, countries pledged to uh, double adaptation finance by, by 2025. And we want to see this COP really making, uh, coming up with a delivery plan to be able to double adaptation finance, which is really key to enhancing the the, the resilience of vulnerable communities, especially those who are coming from Africa towards uh, addressing climate change.
0: That's really important and interesting pieces. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll make sure that we write up those pieces into the words that sit alongside uh, the podcast too, so that you guys can, can track that through. And therefore my last question for us today, Obed, what's next for you, both in terms of COP but also when you get back and home?
1: Here at the COP, uh, we we are closely following the negotiations, and uh, we as civil society organisations really have a role to play in ensuring that the issues that we are pushing for on loss and damage adaptation, on on f- adaptation, on finance, on gender, on mitigation, really make progress. Uh, and and uh, we we are here to as watchdogs to ensure that, of course, this prog- COP made progress on those issues, and uh, we we are will continue of course being the mouthpiece of vulnerable communities who are already suffering from climate change and and of course this this is what we do and in partnership with uh, with colleagues and other like-minded uh, networks and and and, and 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 allies we continue to f- fight uh, for climate justice and uh, and for us climate justice is, is where the poorest and marginalized people particularly the women and girls have improved their well-being significantly and can enjoy the human rights due to increased resilience to climate change and increased equality under global temperature rise that is limited to 1.5 degrees Celsius.
0: Ahmed, on that note, a massive thank you. I will let you get back to your uh, super important work and um, good luck with the rest of COP27 for you. Thank
1: you so much, Katie. It was really nice talking to you.
0: And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback, so please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.